1: To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor.
2: First of all, he says our inheritance is incorruptible. That means it cannot be destroyed. It cannot deteriorate. It is incorruptible. It can't be marred or stained. Then it says, number two, about our inheritance, that, it is a, that we have an inheritance which is undefiled, undefiled, not polluted with sin, not defiled, not stained with sin. It's undefiled. And number three, our inheritance fadeth not away. It cannot devalue. It doesn't matter what happens with our economy. Our inheritance will not devalue. It will not disappear. It, will, it, it, is a, it is an inheritance that fadeth not away. And then it says the fourth point about our inheritance, it's reserved in heaven for you. It's got your name on it right now. It's got your name on it in heaven, and it's being kept for you, reserved and it's a good hope that we have because it's a hope for a God-given inheritance which is incorruptible, undefiled, fades not away, and is reserved in heaven for us. It's a good hope that we have because of what it says about our hope in Romans 10:11, where it says, for the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. It's a good hope we have because in Romans 10:11 it says our hope will not make us ashamed. It won't make us embarrassed. You know, a picture of hope that makes a person ashamed or a picture of hope that's embarrassing is in Matthew seven twenty one through 23. This is a hope that makes ashamed and embarrassing where the Lord said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That's a people who are ashamed. That's a people who are embarrassed. That's a people who are mocked for eternity, who thought that by their good works, they were good enough. They, deserve, they did enough to deserve to get into heaven. And they didn't take God's gift of salvation. They said, sinner, not for me. I don't, uh, that's, I don't need that. I don't need the cross. I don't need the blood. I don't need the Lord Jesus Christ. I've got a good enough life to get me into heaven. And to hope to get into heaven by that way, that wrong way, by being a good person and, and, and to be turned away in shame, in mockery upon the others, who said, well, look at you. I thought you were gonna get into heaven by your good works. Shame, mockery, to be turned away from heaven for not coming to God God's way through the Lord Jesus Christ. That makes a person ashamed. We don't have that. We have a good hope because our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, number four, will not make us ashamed. It's a good hope we have because of what it says about our hope in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, where God says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. It's a good hope that we have because of what it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, because it's based on the goodness of God and the good plans that God has for us, which are for peace and to land us safely on the golden shore of heaven. When we look at the creation, and in Genesis as we have, and we see there What God did, it's just one goodness after another. I mean, so it wasn't just one fruit, many fruits, not just one herb, many herbs, many fruits. Everything is good. Seasons are good. Daytime is good. Nighttime is good. Oceans are good. Everything he did is goodness, goodness, goodness of the Lord. It says in the Bible, the earth is full of the riches of God. All of that reflects the goodness of God. So when it says that he has Good plans for us, thoughts of peace, and, and to give us an expected end. That makes our hope a good hope that we have because it's based on God's good plans for us, number five. It's a good hope we have because of what God says about our hope in Isaiah 53.10, where it says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, was the one who was bruised, the father. He, he hath bruised him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days. The pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. This is talking about what God did. God, the Father, put the God, the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to grief. He bruised him all so that he could make this great invitation, God's plan, make his soul your offering for sin. Put another way, in Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's a promise of God. It's a good hope we have because it's based on Isaiah 53, 10. It's based on Romans 10, 9, which is God's gospel so clearly spelled out Make that you just make the soul of the Lord Jesus Christ your offering for sin. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is God. You believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, and God's promises, thou shalt be saved. It's not complicated, it's simple. And that's what makes it such a good hope, number six. It's a good hope we have because it's based on obeying God's gospel. And then it's a good hope that we have because of what it says about our hope in Titus 1-2. It says, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. It's a good hope we have because of Titus 1-2 because it's called a hope of eternal life. It's not just a hope for a good life here on earth because if it's just a hope for life beyond, just on here on earth, that's not so great but it's a hope for life beyond this life. The Bible has a description of a person who only has hope for this life alone, and that's in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, where it says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ. We are of all men most miserable. A person who is described as if in this life only we have hope is described as a person most miserable. A person who has hope in this life only is like a person sitting on death row. And how good can a last meal be when you're on death row? How good can a last night be if you could spend it in any mansion in the world when you're still on death row? And a person who has hope in this life only is like a person on death row, most miserable. But that's not our hope. Number seven, it's a good hope that we have because it's the hope for eternal life. And then it's a good hope that we have because of what it says about our hope again in this verse in Titus 1-2 where it says, in hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. It's a great hope that we have because in Titus 1-2, it's a hope that's based on God who cannot lie. It's a good hope because it's based on God's promise and God cannot lie when he makes a promise. So number eight, it's a good hope that we have because it's a hope that's based on God's promise and God cannot lie. And then it's a good hope that we have because of what it says about our hope in Psalm 62-5 where David said, my soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. It's a good hope we have because of Psalm 62, 5, because we're told that our hope or our expectation is from God. Our hope did not come from us. We didn't sit down and with pencil in hand and say, you know, I think I'll just make up a hope, and this will be my hope. We didn't sit down and formulate our hope. Our hope was born in the heart of God. And then he gave it to us. He gave us his hope. It's a good hope that we have, number nine, because it's a hope that came from God. And then it's a good hope we've got because of what it says about our hope in Psalm 119, 114. Thou art my hiding place and and my shield. I hope In thy word. I hope in thy word. It's a good hope that we have, according to Psalm 119, 114, because we see that our hope is based on God's word, the Bible. The Bible stands, though the earth, though the hills may tumble, it will firmly stand when the earth shall crumble. I'll plant my feet on its firm foundation. The Bible stands, and our hope is built. On the Bible, in Matthew 24, 35, the Lord Jesus Christ said, heaven, earth, it's gonna pass away. It's gonna pass away. But my words shall not pass away. It's a good hope we have because it's based on the word of God, number 10. It's also a good hope that we have because of what it says about our hope in Ephesians 1:12 through 13, where it says that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ in whom you also trusted after that she heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation in whom also that you believed and you were sealed with that holy spirit of promise it also says in psalm 39:7 and now lord what wait i for my hope is in thee. My hope is in thee. See, it's a good hope we have because of Ephesians 1:12 through 13 and Psalm 39, 7 because it's a hope which is clarified to us to be as the, a hope in a person. It's a hope in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our hope is not in an institution like the local church. Our hope is not in a denomination. Our hope is not in a statement of faith. Our hope is not in a lifestyle. Our hope is not in a particular day of the week to worship God. Our hope is not in a particular translation of the Bible. Our hope is in the living person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that makes it, number 11, a good hope because it's in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a good hope we have. We have a very good hope because of what it says about our hope in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. It says this. For which cause? We faint not. But but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction is but a for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. See what this verses are telling us about our hope? We have a good hope. It's a great hope because in 2 Corinthians 4 16 through 18, our hope is stated to be not in our outer self, but our hope is in our inner self, in our soul. It's a good thing because if our hope is built on our healthy condition. We are all men most miserable. <laughs> if you have to look in the mirror and say you look pretty good, <laughs> and you feel good, you know, and now you got hope. That's all men most miserable. <laughs> and so, no, we can stand. We can watch our bodies fall apart, and we don't care because our hope is not in our bodies. Our hope is not in our outer self. Our hope is in in our, in our inner self, the Lord has saved our souls. And we're just like the hermit crab who lives in the shell until he grows where the shell's too small, then he leaves that shell behind and goes into another one. That's a picture of death for the believer. The death, that there is a non material, there, there is the us that can be seen, that's our bodies. There is the us that cannot be seen, that is not seen. The us, that can be seen, the Bible calls that temporal, passing away. The us that cannot be seen, that's eternal. And God says, the, God says your hope is not in your body, in, your, in what is seen. Your hope is in the resurrection, as it says in Acts 24, 15. And we have hope toward God which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. It's a good hope we have because our hope is not based, it's not in our outer self, it's in our inner self. Number 12, number 13. It's a good hope that we have because of what it says about our hope in Isaiah 25 8. He shall swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away all tears from off all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off the earth, for the Lord has spoken it. Similar to this is in Hosea thirteen fourteen, where God says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be thy plagues. O grave, I will be thy destruction. Repentance shall be hid from mine eyes. 1 Corinthians 15, 54, and 55. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Quoting from Hosea 13, 14. O grave, where is thy sting? Uh, o death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Good hope we have because of what it says in 2 Timothy 1.10. But as now it made manifest by the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. It's a good hope we have because of these verses in Isaiah 25.8 and Hosea 13.14 and 1 Corinthians 15, 54 for 55 and 2 Timothy 110 because our hope is for the defeat of our greatest foe our hope is for the abolishment of what we were we we are absolutely helpless to fight against which is death we have no tools we have no power we have no ability to fight against death. We may hold a loved one so dear to us who's sick and dying, and we can say to death, you won't take him, you won't take him. And death laughs at us and grabs that one right out of our arms. That's our foe, death. And we are absolutely helpless. But our Lord Jesus Christ is the one who puts his face right in the face of death and said, I will be your plagues. I will be your destruction. And that's our hope. Our, it's a good hope we have, number 13, because our hope is for the destruction of death through the Lord Jesus Christ or by the Lord Jesus Christ. He destroys death. It's a good hope what we have because of what it says in Psalm 23:6. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Same thing is said by the Lord Jesus Christ in John 14, one through three. Don't let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. It's a good hope we have because of Psalm 23, 6 and John 14, 1 through 3, because we're told that our hope is to be with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven forever in his house. Number 14. Now, it's a good hope that we're going to find as we study in the book of Ruth, and we're just gonna discover these good hopes and the comfort as treasures when we come to, the, to this book, and like we're coming to any other book, if we keep the goal in mind, we keep, The the purpose in mind, which is as we come to the book of Ruth, if we just keep saying, as I come to the book of Ruth, I want to find more, more about Jesus. More about Jesus, what I know. More of his grace to others show. More of his saving fullness, more of his love who died for me. More about Jesus, let me learn. More of his holy will discern. Spirit of God, my teacher be, showing the things of Christ to me. More about Jesus in his word, holding communion with my Lord, hearing his voice in every line, making each faithful saying mine. We won't be disappointed. We won't be disappointed when we come to the book of Ruth with a heart that just keeps saying more, more about Jesus, more, more about Jesus, more of his saving fullness, see, more of his love who died for me. And God's gonna show us these wondrous things about the Lord Jesus Christ out of this little book of 18, 85 verses that he's preserved perfectly through thousands of years. and We're gonna to learn together, and I'm gonna be learning too. And I'm looking forward to learning from God, and then passing it on to you in the process, being thrilled the second time as I try to deliver what God teaches me. And this book is like the book of Esther. You know, It's like the book of Esther in several ways. Like the book of Esther, this is a book that might have been named after a man instead of named after a woman. I mean, Esther might have been named after Mordecai, or, but it was named Esther. And Ruth might have been named after Boaz, or it might have been named after Naomi, but it's named after Ruth. And like the book of Esther, this book is named after a woman with a non-Hebrew name. We got over that. Esther is a Persian name. Ruth is a Moabite name. Moses is an Egyptian name. So we have these names. And like the book of Esther, this book is about love. Not a romantic love, but pure love. A love first for a, a love for God. A love for God that translated itself into a love for another. Esther loved God, and that translated into her love for Mordecai. Ruth loved God, and that translated into her love for Naomi. And like the book of Esther, this is a woman who is able to fulfill God's purpose through marriage. Esther, through her marriage to King Ahasuerus, was able to save the Jewish people. Ruth, through her marriage to Boaz, was able to give birth to King David's grandfather. Ruth was King David's great-grandmother. And in the book of Esther, there was a warning. And that warning, which we covered many times, is that Esther, if you don't see and if you don't seize this singular opportunity in your life to save the Jewish people, you'll lose. But God won't lose, and he'll bring deliverance to, a, to the Jewish people from another. And in the book of Ruth, there is that person who we don't even know his name. He's anonymous. He's an anonymous relative, and, we, and he didn't see And he didn't seize the opportunity, that singular opportunity in his life to be King David's grandfather, great-grandfather. So he lost. But just as Mordecai said, God did bring another, and his name was Boaz, who took his place. And like the book of Esther, this book was likely not named by that woman. Mordecai probably wrote Esther And Samuel probably wrote Ruth. But like the book of Esther, this book opens with a Jewish family in a very sad state of affairs in a foreign land. That's what we found in Esther. And like the book of Esther, God honors the woman for the risks that she took, great risks. And like the book of Esther, there is a God-fearing mentor who guides our heroine in the background. For Esther, it was her cousin, Mordecai. For Ruth, it was her mother-in-law, Naomi.
1: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God.